0: Uh, welcome, everybody. My name is Nate Jones with Structurally, uh, coming to you live um, from my bedroom on this fine Wednesday morning. <laughs> we are currently in the process of moving offices, and ours is under construction, so just easier this way. Uh, but excited to welcome Robbie T uh, to our recap, our final conversations with a top ISA. Uh, with one of the former top ISAs himself, Robbie's going to give us a rundown of uh, what we've learned from the last six sessions with some amazing ISAs. Um, Robbie, uh, just to get intro. Uh, I'm <laughs> going to try and pronounce it again. <laughs> yeah, I, I, what
1: you got? Yeah, dude. It sounds my last name sounds like a pharmaceutical drug with. Uh, all the problems and none of the money hence me being on the webinar today right <laughs> um, hey uh, Robbie T here um, good to, good to be back as always um, it's been uh, it's been fun right we, we had um, we started with Jim who is like a brother to me and um, it's funny because a lot of the guests were either I was good friends with or became good friends with afterwards um, but I'm super excited to kind of walk through um, the main things that that I, really learn from some of them. Um, and then I want to talk today about some of my thoughts and, and my ideas as well on on what it takes to be, you know, a really great ISA and and so forth. Um, but I, I think we gotta we gotta start here. Um, I, I think the the you know let's get right into the, the meat of it. Um, and the, the the thing I wanted to break down were what were the five key themes. That I heard from all the different guests, and um, the, the great piece is is that um, what I what I noticed was a lot of them were, and Nate, feel free to chime in. You know, from a ten thousand review, every guest they had their own flavor, mm-hmm. um, but they were saying a lot of the same things. There was a lot of consistent themes that were coming through um, in the calls, and the in the five habits I'm going to go through. I think really reflect those, those five
0: key themes. Is
1: that, am I describing that well, Nate, from your perspective?
0: Yeah, I think that uh, each one of them brought a different perspective, um, which, which is definitely the case. I mean, everyone was from a different market too, which was mm. interesting. I think, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think that that, that probably played a lot, um, a lot into the role. And I think everyone Every ISA just comes from a totally different background. You came from politics, Jim. I don't really know where Jim came from. We don't know either. We're still trying to figure it out. <laughs> a different planet. <laughs> um, but yeah, everyone comes from a different background. And I think that that plays a role into to how they take on the role. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. They They've all had different stories. And uh, let's start here. Uh,
1: let's start with the, the first habit. And, and I'm just going to talk about it from my point of view, Nate, and I want you maybe to chime in on, on your thoughts from what you've heard from other people is I, I would say this, the, the number one habit I picked up on from um, and, and to just recap the guests, right? We had, we had Jim on, Jim Renfro from, from Ash Realty. Um, my brother, um, we had Holly Faulkner on. Um, she's from uh, North Carolina. Um, heck, remembering all the companies and places would be tough. We had yep. Leanne, we had Alex, we had April, and we had Tyler Streisner. I think I got all of them. Hopefully, I didn't miss anyone. I got them all right. That's um, all right. And the first thing was this, is every single one was hungry in some way, shape, or form. And, and I think that's the first, the first habit that was consistent, is they all had some reason to inconvenience themselves to pick up the phone. Um, and do the work, um, whether it was, you know, we heard stories of, you know, uh, I'm a single mom and I had to provide for my family um, or um, I'm massively in debt and I need to get out of that and I need to crawl out of it. Or, frankly, I, I want to change my life. I grew up one, one person shared a story. But I grew up um, watching my mom live paycheck to paycheck and I wanted to change my life what they really showed and demonstrated was some form of hunger, uh, where they were willing to inconvenience their lives, put in the work, um, and frankly, just pick up the phone. And this is number one, because I think it's the most important from my perspective as well, that you can't convert leads if you're not willing to pick up the phone and have the conversation, right? Even if they utilize technology like like yours, Nate, um, with, with um, conversational AI using um, your product. If you don't hop on the phone and convert the lead, because those opportunities come in at all times of day, if you're not hungry enough and if you're not willing uh, to do the work, you're not going to have success. But I'd love to hear your thoughts, Nate.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, you know, our product is is there to augment the role of the ISA not mm-hmm. replace it. Um, our product doesn't have a chip on its shoulder, but so it's still... Uh, it puts in the work. Um, so that's my one caveat to your first point. <laughs> but I see it time and time again. Um, you know, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to me that when our product takes a, uh, a conversation as far as, you know, it can go, right. it still requires an agent to follow up. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen um, another a message come through after we've qualified the lead saying, Hey, I didn't hear from your agent. multiple times. And that's, that's just, it's sad to me because I know that there's a team leader on the other side who spent a lot of money on that generating that lead. They've spent money on our product to qualify that lead to tee them up. Um, And then it's just for a lack of hunger that that agent isn't pulling the trigger on that lead when they need to. So you can't really coach that. Um, I think you can, you can, and that's something that hatches. Um, I think done so well. You can uh, you can go down the line and, and tell what each one of your ISAs um, chip on their shoulder is and why they're here and why they come in and make uh, as many dials as they do every day. I,
1: I I love that the chip on the shoulder definition is really good. And the the thing that was so fascinating was to see the different chips, right? And, and hunger is like this buzzword and I probably shouldn't even use it, but the chip on the shoulder, it's fun because everyone's story was different. They were all do, you know, that, that chip looked different, but they had it. And um, that, that, that for me was just hands down. The number one thing is these people are proving something or they have something that are pushing towards. Mm-hmm. Um, and another big piece is their self, they self-realize and they, they understand that. And they've had conversations about it and they're putting it at the forefront of their mind and it's their focus. Um, and that's another piece is it's not just some, you know, uncovered why it's something a lot of them are most likely talking about in their businesses, unearthing, and it's a primary source of their, their motivation.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I come from this in a different perspective than you, who was um, and coached the most successful ISA teams in the country. Uh, but I think there's a big piece of accountability. Mm-hmm. If you share your chip, you know, if Jim uh, shares his chip with you and the rest of the ISAs as is why he's doing this, why he comes in and grinds every day, mm-hmm. then you poke him with that. You can say, "Hey, Jim, you know, I know you want to provide for your your dad. You didn't make as many calls today. Yeah, um, why not? You still want to do that?" And I think that that's a big piece too yeah it's
1: uh one of my my former coaches um he he told me once and I think it's a quote worth writing down is if you hold somebody accountable to your own goals, they'll resent you but if you hold them accountable to their goals they'll thank you mm-hmm. and really the the just the hunger is and, and as a leader from from to kind of play on that point um you have to know, not just, I want to make money, right? That, that's not a hunger. Like, and, and that's the thing. If you were to go watch all the episodes, I don't think anyone was, I just want to make money. There was so much more depth behind that. And if you're leading ISAs or you're leading anyone in any business, you can't just settle for that service. you got to know the depth behind it. Because as you just, you showed a good, good example. If you can hit on those more emotional pieces of the why behind what's motivating someone or what they need, want, or desire in their life, you can help them get to where they want to go. And, you know, when you first hold them accountable, I guarantee you, they're going to be frustrated. We just went through that. Um, In in our ISA department, we got super focused on a a really massive goal basically going from May to September um, to get caught up on our goals. And um, Jim, I'm going to speak for him. um, We were at a quarterly and we were talking about this. Jim, held them accountable because they were falling short based off of what they've all bought into. And he's like, guys, we got to change something. And at first, they all said that they were frustrated with him. that They were a little bit upset with him. But then at that quarter, they said a couple days later or later that day, it kind of clicked up, no, 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 um, this is for us. And then it was really they were thanking him. And, um, it, it's, it's, it's kind of like being a parent. You don't always want to do what's most popular, but you got to do what's right. But knowing that hunger is so key and finding
0: hungry people. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're a listener now, uh, if you're an ISA, please tell your ISA leader, your team leader, someone on your team, what mm-hmm. your, your hunger is, what your chip on your shoulder is, why you come into work, why yeah. um, you grind every day. And if you're a team leader or an ISA manager or just someone on an ISA's team, please hold them accountable and make them tell you their chip and, um, you know, understand what their goals are and see if they're meeting it. And if they're not, uh, light a fire under them a little bit. Truth. Exactly.
1: So number one, hunger, like, uh, you know, chip on the shoulder. I love that, that phrase as well. Here's the, the second one that, that, that I noticed, Nate, and I, I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts. And Uh, I'm going to pull this term from a book uh, by the same name called Grit. And I think that's something that really was self-evident among the top ISAs was they were very gritty people. And really what what in in my mind, and I read Grit by Angela Duckworth and and it plays right into it, um, they push through the tough stuff. (laughs) Um, And despite resistance, um, they push through the tough stuff. And they're willing to delay their satisfaction and they are willing to not focus on all the no's. Instead they view the no's as being something that's getting closer to those yeses. So grit just being uh, relentless in their pursuit of those yeses, despite the no's was another huge common theme
0: that I noticed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know, um, I think, I think it was the last episode with Tyler that we talked on this, um, and you you preach it all the time. I know with your coaching clients, um, I think one of my favorite stories for how to onboard an ISA the right way it mm-hmm. comes from grit, mm-hmm. uh, and it's the whole you can't give a teenager a Range Rover. Come <laughs> out with the nineteen ninety two Ray, mm-hmm. or else they um, you know they get uh, spoiled more or less. And I think that that comes from a place of building grit. So, if you are a team leader or an ISA, anyone listening and you're looking to hire an ISA, Mm -hmm. a good way uh, to build grit early on is to give your new ISA hire really bad leads Mm -hmm. and make them push through those because it's not going to be easy and they're not going to get used to it. Or they will get used to it, but they're not going to like it. And then eventually you can start to, um, you know, give them the, the, the golden apple leads the Zillow leads the low-hanging fruit where it's uh you pick up the phone, you call them, and you set an appointment. Um, so I think that building that grit, um, you know, some of it obviously comes from the number one point, their hunger, their chip on their shoulder, but uh, a lot of grit can be coached and um, should be coached. So I, I definitely uh, consider that. Yeah, I, and I agree. And I, and I think another
1: major, major piece of it is there's a lot of times where, um, you're going to, you know, essentially, um, get kicked in the face in this role. And what I mean by that is you're going to have that person you've been chasing for 18 months and you're going to have these great conversations and you're going to call and they're going to say something like, well, I decided to go with X. And you know that that person is just not good at all. And some people it's so easy to fall into the trap and let uh, something like that be a demotivator. And those that are the most successful, that lights a fire underneath them. And they go and find another person. And one of the things I've noticed, and it, and it was dear in my heart, and I've noticed it's been a theme in, in top ISAs as well, is like they take this, they have this passion um, and they take it personally when somebody has chosen to work with somebody else. Um, and then they do everything they can to avoid that again. But again, it's, it's that grit, it's persistent, it's relentless, it's delayed gratification. Um, and that's probably one of the biggest things to kind of tie and put a bow on this is none of the ISAs that we interviewed said, I had success, you know, month one. Mm-hmm. Um, usually they all talked about how this was a long-term play. It was a long-term game, and for some reason, a lot of people talk about how it's about a year in where the game, the light turns on, and the game is much easier. Um, and that requires grit to push through that year because you're you're making the calls, you're shooting the texts, you're getting a heck of a lot of no's, and of course, um, you've got to be focused on uh, I'm building my pipeline. I'm going to find those yeses and uh, you gotta, it's almost like remain optimistic despite the pain you're going through. But yeah. that grid is huge, especially in this role. And obviously this applies to really any sales role that you get into as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And one point I didn't make up on the, the whole, um, start a lead, uh, start an ISA out with old leads and bring them on to new leads. Mm-hmm. And I did want to link to was, um, an on four week onboarding schedule. So I just linked that in the chat. Um, I, I, it's definitely uh, pulls from some of these points that we learned from the top ISAs on uh, what does the first week look like, second week, third week, fourth week. But like Robbie said, none of them were you know having extreme success in that first month. They're they're not making a whole lot of money that first month. Yeah, but that in, that that delayed gratification is uh, really what should keep them around, and um, you know you should uh, that 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 reward should be that much better over time um and that's a huge piece of of retention too right um, making sure that they do eventually get that gratification uh mm. in a really really big way i like it i like it um so uh, anything excuse me anything else you want to add to that one nate no number 2 was uh, grit number 1 was hunger what's that? Number, <laughs> number 3 is their innovators and here's just the simplest thing
1: i can say about innovators is they are constantly trying new things. And I I coach some of of the best teams in the country, and and this is one of the biggest things I preach all the time is don't rely on me to tell you what to do. Um, Go out and try new things all the dang time. And really, I I think the reason people haven't done that is intrinsic in innovation is you're gonna fail, and you're gonna make mistakes. you know, Jim told a really—I I don't know if he told it on this episode when we did it—but he's told the story of uh, one time when he was trying to send a message. He actually sent a message out to like 2,500 people, and he didn't mean to. And some people discourage uh, failures like that. And I'm like, no, that's awesome. Let's—we have to make mistakes. We can't live in fear of we're gonna mess up. And You've got to be willing to try things all the time. And what inherently that means is you're going to get kicked in the face. You're going to do something wrong. And what you have to do is adapt. So, innovation to me was, and that's why you see so many different strategies among the ISAs and what they were doing, is they're innovating in, in different ways. And I think it's so key in this role, especially these last five years. Like, I, I go back when I got into the game as an ISA. Nobody was texting leads. Like it was, that wasn't normal. Um, you were calling, and you just dialed, dialed, dialed. Um, and then the game shifted, right? The game shifted, and emails, but it wasn't a big deal. Then it shifted to we were dialing and texting. And for us as innovators, we were on the front edge of that. It's frankly the only reason we went or switched to, to Commission Zinc or one of the main reasons was Commission Zinc was the first platform that really allowed us to mass message and auto message leads. Um, now, of course, they've kind of slipped backwards, I, I guess you could say with that. Um, but even like today, um, the game keeps changing, right? And, and now texting, just with words isn't enough It then turned into texting with emojis and i remember once that i, I requested of Commission inc like hey when can you guys put emojis in these text messages and people kind of laughed at me i'm like dude all i do anytime i i want to innovate is i go look at what other people are doing and for me i go look at my brothers because they're five six years younger than me and they're just it feels like a generation away And they're doing things, you know, TikTok and stuff like that that I don't even know of. But the point is, is that I'm looking to them. Saw that they were doing emojis, and now it's it's gifts. Like we're seeing stupid response to gift messages, and it's because we're innovating. And don't get me wrong, um, we have some stuff that bombed. I've sent some messages that I thought would be great, didn't work. But you gotta be innovative, and you gotta be trying new things. And, And what that means is. You know, trying new things as a company, uh, new processes, new systems, and procedures. And I think innovators, you fail a lot. But number two, you consistently break things a lot. And uh, it, it's funny because um, the Global Leadership Summit was just, I think it was last week, right? Last week. And there was one talk that uh, I, I just watched the recording of. I couldn't attend live, but I, I got access to the recordings. And What she she talked about is there's really four stages of learning and uh, I'm going to walk through those real quick. Nate, could you type these into the chat box for me? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, These are not my ideas. I'm stealing these. uh, What was your name? I'll find it in a moment. Uh, But there's four stages of learning. And the first stage is unconscious incompetence. Uh, Basically... This is, you don't know what you don't know. (laughs) You're oblivious, right? That's every one of you when you first start day one, is you have no dang clue what you are doing. Um, And it's kind of blissful, um, but that's stage one. Stage two is conscious incompetence. And that is when you realize, ouch, I'm not really good at this, or ouch, you know what you don't know. You kind of realize, okay, Um, this is where I can get better, right? You start realizing I'm not that good at this, um, et cetera. Number three is now conscious competence and it's, I can do it, but it takes effort. And this is like getting to peak stage. Then from here, you have a choice and you have a choice to go down one or two paths. And one is really beneficial for you and one isn't, um, The path that isn't beneficial is when you go into unconscious competence, and this is when you think you're so good that you quit innovating. You quit learning because you think you got it figured out. And I see it happen all the time where people get stuck. They think it got figured out. I'm good to go. I don't need to learn anymore. Whereas what really successful people do and what innovators do is they go back to stage one. They force themselves to become unconscious and confidence and so start the loop over. And that's the learning cycle is going through a loop of challenging yourself. And really, come on, Nate Jones. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, really, what it is is uh it is going through that and, and realizing you don't ever have it figured out. And for me. And now in my blood, that's why I'm just always challenging and thinking, what's next? What's going next? And I, I think really great IC- ISAs embrace that mindset End rant. <laughs> what was the fourth? It was un- Oh, yeah. Number four, the, the bad place to get to. Um, basically, number four, you either start over and you go from three to one or yeah. you go to number four, which was unconscious competence. And that's just really, that's when people, you see it all the time, but people think they got it all figured out. It's when your ego takes a hole and you're like, I got this figured out. Nobody else is going to catch up to me. It's kind of like the whole
0: idea of the innovator's dilemma. Got it. You, yeah. So, but go ahead, Nate. I talked for a while there. Oh, that's, that's really, uh, really interesting. I hadn't heard of, of any of those, but when you kind of spoke to them, I could feel myself thinking through certain scenarios where I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing i oh. doing and I'm bad at this. Oh, I'm, I'm getting better at this yep. and then you know, making that decision on where to go from there. Um, that's, that's a really interesting, um, thing I think you should be wary of when hiring a new ISA for sure is mm-hmm. understanding where they're at in picking up your, you know, how to be an ISA, mm-hmm. uh, understanding where they're at in the process and making sure that you're, that you're tailoring, tailoring your onboarding content um, to, to kind of, um, help them through these four stages of learning. So those are really interesting for me to hear.
1: Yeah. And the the lady who, who gave that talk, Liz Bohannon, um, L I Z and then Bohannon is B O H A N N O N. um, and she's just releasing a a book. I forget exactly what it's called. I think it's beginners pluck, um, pluck P L U C K. Um, but yeah, super, super great stuff. And, and one of my, my friends here at Hatch Coaching shared it with me and, and I'm gripped by it. So,
0: yeah, um, awesome.
1: but I mean, the biggest thing is this is the reason why I shared those four stages of learning is it's not a matter of once you learn something, it's not a matter of whether you come down from the peak. It's a matter of whether you want to fall or whether you want to purposely go back down and get to the top again. That's the choices you have. You're either going to fall on your face because you think you've got there, you got to figure it out, you're going to quit innovating and eventually what you're doing is obsolete. And anyone that's just calling today, for example, that's the world you're in. Like if you're, for example, only calling leads, it, it's not going to work. You've got to be innovating and trying and that requires you having the hubris to recognize, I don't got this all figured out. Someone might come along and do it better. What are they doing? And look at it. It's why one of my favorite things to do is go spot check our competition. Sometimes I'm really happy about it and see some really great things. Sometimes I'm like, "Hey, we should try something different."
0: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's just uh, it's just from you're not it, you're not differentiating at all. I mean, if everyone's calling, how how would you stand out from the noise? But if you send if you send your leads a message through like WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger or just some other medium in some other way using a gif uh that cuts through the noise that gives them some reason to remember you even if they're not ready they're going to you know try and tie that back to your brand saying oh i remember that guy he sent me a message on uh you know whatsapp with that really funny gif uh those are the things that cut through the noise and uh if you're just doing what everyone else is doing not being an innovator, then there's no way you can, you know, get ahead, obviously. Correct. Exactly. I love it. So number three, um, they, they innovate. I mean, that's,
1: that's the, that's the biggest thing. Um, the, the next, the next thing, um, is number four is they're systemized. They've got some form of system to make sure every lead has a place and along with that, that goes along with Systemize. And, and I, I want to give um, uh, April um, in California some major credit here. Um, she, I think, is the most, that they, their ISA department is the most relentless in pursuing leads. Like they will just keep chasing and, and huge kudos to them um, because it definitely shifted my thinking. It's one of the joys of being able to partake in these conversations is I learn a ton. The the way they literally they like they a no just means they're going to call back six months later. I, I think that's what they described it as. Remember that name? Something like that. And they they but they have a system for it. Um, and it, this is probably tying together grits and persistence and systems. But I think that to, to put a bow on that idea, what it really comes down to is not giving up too easily. Um, and. I Think another thing you'll see in their conversations is they don't give up in their conversations easily either. Because if you ask someone almost always, Hey Nate, you're just kind of curious, or you think about making a move? A lot of people say, ah, I'm just kind of curious. I'll say, Great, what had you interested in real estate? I was thinking about making a move, <laughs> it happens all the dang time. We're on the second or third question because I mean, here's everybody has a guard up, right? I mean, who wants to talk to a salesperson when you're calling? Your random number, and you say you're with a real estate company, the, the lead is instantly going to lump you in with all the other people out there that are trying to hard sell them, push them, get them to do something. And rightfully so, by the way, because there's a lot of that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you can do differently when you ask questions, you're literally subconsciously signaling to them, hey, this isn't about me, it's about you. And almost always on that second or third try, despite them saying no, um they're going to, you know, shift a little bit. And that no might turn into a yes or maybe a not yet.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I think uh on the systems piece, I think Leanne's was was wonderful to hear. So what what episode was that? Two or three? Oh gosh,
1: dude. I don't remember the exact it all it all it all blurred.
0: <laughs> yeah. If you want to if you want to hear a great uh system on, you know, kind of just yeah. not giving up on leads, listen to the second or third. Um one of these uh, uh, episodes in our in our seven part series uh, interviews with the top ISA, uh, that was that was great to listen to. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's it's partially too. You want to give your ISAs the ability to come into the office and know exactly what to do. You know, they that that comes from a place of having your systems in place. You know, you need to call. Um, these leads because they came in overnight first, you, then you need to go to your Fisbos, call them and, you know, run through this checklist without thinking. So they can open up their their time to, to be innovators. They shouldn't have to, they shouldn't have to come through your database every day and say, who do I need to call? Why do I need to call them? What do I talk to them about? They should be spending their time thinking, how can I tweak my messaging to get better response rate? I'm going to AB test, this set of 50 leads that I'm uh, messaging today with a GIF and an emoji and mm-hmm. uh, see which one works out. They shouldn't have to be thinking and spending their valuable time thinking through the very basic mundane system tasks. Uh, that should be defined by you know, an ISA leader, a team leader, or the ISA themselves eventually. Uh, so they don't have to think through those things. I I
1: love that and you're hitting on the, the biggest thing and, and the biggest recommendation I can give on that point from knowing it in our world as well as top producing ISAs, if you want to simplify who you should be calling, the simplest way to do it is you need to create buckets that put apples with apples and oranges with oranges. Because what I see happen all the time and it messes up everyone's system and it makes it so impossible... Uh, for them to work. And instead of calling leads, they take 10 minutes to plan on who should I be calling every day, many times a day. All you need to do is you just need to take leads and categorize them and take like leads and put it with like leads. And you should write that down because it, the more you chew in that, it's going to resonate. You Take like leads and you put it in a bucket with other like leads. Can what you give gap- an example? A great example is you should not have your contacted leads in the same bucket as uncontacted leads. It makes no sense because the way you're chasing a uh, a contacted lead that said, "Hey, give me a call back in a year," is going to be drastically different than a lead you haven't called before. And what you need to do just in systems wise is you need to create tagging mechanism, labeling mechanisms or whatever your CRM has to offer. And what we do is we just basically segment all leads into different pools, I guess you could say. And it's based off of them being like each other. So let's let's talk follow-ups, right? This is what we do with with all of our follow-ups. And a follow-up for me, um, because some people get it confused, a follow-up is somewhat of a nurture. So a follow-up is somebody that i called or texted, we contacted. And we determined we wanted to follow up at some point in the future. Hence, is calling it a follow-up. I know a lot of other people have called it nurtures. We're talking the same game. But what we do is we take those and we actually subdivide it and we categorize them as A follow-ups, B follow-ups, C follow up, and D follow-ups. And the simple reason is, is that a D follow-up is drastically different than an A follow-up. Um, an A follow-up is somebody that when that follow-up time pops up, I need to call that right then and there. Uh, whereas a D follow-up, if that thing pops up and I don't get to it for a few days, doesn't really matter. So it, it's really, it's systemizing things for you. And so we're just doing that all the time. On the uncontacted side, all we're doing is we're, we're categorizing people into two different pools, high quality and low quality. Because when I'm making calls through that I want to get to, I have extra time to call leads, I'm going to always call my high-quality opportunities every single time. So it's, it's just taking this and taking your uncontacted, your contacted leads, your appointment set leads, taking your junk leads, right? The people that aren't interested. I could go on forever with this. But it's taking them and having a system that takes like
0: leads and puts them in a similar pile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing that I I have been uh, really interested in from a CRM perspective and a follow-up perspective lately has been uh, website activity. I think that, that is a huge indicator. Uh, you know, when people buy a house, they get really hot and heavy um, for a certain amount of time, and then they buy a house. Um, a lot of that uh, comes from their activity. If your CRM or IDX site is tracking that, Uh, I definitely recommend breaking your contacted and uncontacted into, uh, last visited in the last 30 days or not last, not visited in the last 30 days. Um, like that, that proven, uh, you know, prove that they're on your website, checking out properties in more of an aggressive fashion and then calling through that list with a little bit more uh, tailored content.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, and I think why Lopo has this figured out better than anybody. It's, it's the whole idea of just behavioral texts where somebody's behaved in a certain way. Now we try to trigger it, um, trigger something, I should say. Yeah. And they got that figured out beyond anybody else in this game. And I, I agree 100%. And then somebody's like, but they told me they're going to look, look to buy in a year or two or three. And I have one simple rebuttal. Plans change. Things change. Human beings' story is not constant. I bought three homes in about four years. Now I'm not going to buy a home for a long time. Watch next time we come on, you're going to buy a new house. (laughs) I'm not going to. uh, Hopefully, but plans change, right? The human story um, is so unpredictable. You have no idea what's going to happen. So I mean, you got to allow for some deviation in there. With the the other thing though, is everybody falls into the trap of I want to talk to everybody every single month, and the reality is the top ISAs understand your most valuable resources, your time. And I used to play a lot of poker, right? And if you're good at poker, you understand one simple thing. You think in terms of bets. And what you do is you put more money in when the odds are in your favor, and you put less money in when the odds aren't in your favor. Like, end of story, you follow that, go play some poker, and read some bluffs, of course. You're going to be good. And and Nanny Duke, a former professional Uh, or a professional poker player wrote a whole book called Thinking in Bets. And really what it is is this. As an ISA, your bet is your time, your effort you're putting in. And um, you can't, if somebody says they're four years out, there's going to be some people that their plan's going to change. But it's going to be nowhere near as many as the A's, right, that are hot and ready to go. And you just have to choose to invest your time wisely. And the reason we created that A, B, C, D system was my ISAs invest more time in their A and B leads than they do their Cs and D leads. But what's cool about that internet activity is um, it can kind of signal, okay, this person told me they were a D, but now they came back to the website and they're super hot. They hadn't been there for six months. Some things probably changed,
0: which yeah. is why, why Lopo, I
1: think, is genius on that, mm-hmm. on that front.
0: So. Yeah kind of a implicit indicator saying, I'm actually interested. I'm not gonna tell you <laughs> I'm gonna do something that, uh, that might indicate that.
1: Yeah, they're not gonna call you and say, hey, we're active again. Yeah. Or, I mean, the simplest way to like live your life as an ISA is just put yourself to the test as a lead. Would you call that person and do that or would you just go to the website and view homes again? Exactly. It's, it's yeah. that simple.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and that's why I think it's so interesting because that's, that's where technology should be. Yeah. Uh, I think you as and I say, that's where I, hey, you know, that's, you know, probably five years ago, you didn't have that. Um, and I don't, I don't frankly know how you would, uh, would know someone's, uh, more into, indi- you know, more interested or their plans have changed other than actually calling them. Hopefully you had some, you know, systems in place so that you weren't calling, all of them. And you were hedging your bets a little bit and calling the, you know, the follow up A's and D's. Um, but I think that to your point on the follow up, not following up, uh, with D's and C's so much, um, Mm -hmm. that just prevents burnout. Yes. Your ISAs can only handle so much rejection. Uh, it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Uh, So you, you have to help get them set up in that way.
1: Truth. Exactly. So systems, I mean, they all have some form of system to do what we're talking about here. Um, and they're all slightly different. Um, April's is different than ours. Granted, I took some great notes on terms on, on some things, um, but there's some system that makes it easier for them to know who should I be called? Excuse me. Who should I be calling today? Cause that's the biggest problem I see is people have analysis paralysis where they freeze and they don't know who to call, so they don't end up calling. And it doesn't sound like a big deal, but if you spend five, ten minutes a day doing that, that is hundreds of hours wasted in the year, Um, you know, somewhere around there, and especially in the lifetime of an an ISA. So they're systemized in some way, shape, or form. Um, Anything else you want to add to that one, Nate? No, it's number five. Number five is they are service-focused. And this is probably the uh, hands down, the most common theme, the biggest one, and I'm saving the best for last is I don't think any of the ISAs we spoke to viewed themselves as being sales focused, being salesy, which is really funny because they're probably the top producing ISAs and lead converters out there. Um, and I think there's, we're going to talk about that in a bit, but they're really service focused. And let me, let me provide depth behind that. Uh, the great ISAs aren't focused on 123 Main Street. They're not focused on making that sale. They're 100% hyper-focused on who is this person? What are they potentially looking to do? What are their needs, wants, and desires? And how can I serve them? And that was probably one of the biggest themes, despite being, you know, we had someone from Washington, we had somebody from California, we had somebody from Fargo, North Dakota, um, AKA the middle of nowhere. <laughs> um, and then we had, you know, people from the South and I just realized that we covered like the whole, basically the whole United States. Yeah, we did. Um, and, and then, uh, we had somebody from the East coast, the Carolinas. And the theme was, they were focused uh, on that service. Um, and they're focused on putting that leads, needs, wants, and desires far below or far before the sale. So what are your thoughts,
0: Nate? Yeah, I, I always come back to, um, you know, when I was at the, the Hatch uh, Summit last year at this time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or was that the conversion? I think it was the summit where we had the breakout session. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you drew the picture of, uh, of a house and a person. Yeah. Um, and. I think the old way, um, you know, the old ISA model was focusing on on the house, yep. and in the new way is simply focusing on the person, and you know that's always you know struck home to me from a product perspective. I've learned a lot from you, but from structurally, you know, way back in the day, early on, we thought, can our product integrate with MLS data? Should we? That's a whole nother story. It's, it would be it would have been miserable to do, but we didn't. Um, a lot of that was because of, you know, you had told me the story of, you know, a lead will come in and say, does this property have, how many beds does this property have? Yeah. and they haven't told you how many they're looking for and you say the wrong number, you say two and they're looking for three, they're going to be like, all right, thanks, see ya. And then probably ghost you. The ghost. But um, you didn't ask, you know, why are, the, why are you looking for a three bed house? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the question that you need to be asking Um, and that's, that's the non salesy question, you know, you, uh, there is a point where you do need to provide information on the property, but then following it up with a question, um, is, is the model that all of these top ISAs are, are employing now.
1: 100%. And it's, I think it it seems so counterintuitive, um, but it's becoming, it's cool that that is becoming the normal finally. Um, and, and I just put myself, um, in the shoes of a consumer. Again, it's, it's, it's how I, I have played this whole game, and I think that's what these other ISAs have done as well, is they treat that lead in the sense that they would want to be treated. And for far too long in this dang industry, people would call the and sales in general, they would call people with the intent of pushing somebody to do something they don't want to do, of manipulating with the intent of getting them to do something that's not the best for them. And it comes from this mindset of, I don't have enough. And it comes from this mindset of being attached to an outcome of being dependent on the sale. And I, I had somebody today that that said um, something re- really kind of funny about this. Um, He basically said it it, it comes across as like desperate breath, and it stinks, and nobody likes it. They can tell, they can hear it when you're being very pushy and salesy. What you're 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 really signaling to them is, "Hey, I need this next sale." And the thing my brain goes to is, I would never want to work with somebody that was desperate for the next sale. I'd want to work with somebody that truly took the time to understand my needs, wants, and desires at a deeper level, that would help me process information. Because when you're in a sales mindset, what happens is this, is you only talk about the surface. And the reality is this, is that if you're, if, if you the lead you are talking to, if their story isn't changing throughout the conversation, you're doing something wrong. What should be happening is you should be asking questions that get them to think differently. Because when you do that, you're getting to the depth of who they are and what they want. And when you don't do that, this is why almost everyone says buyers are liars is because they heard the surface response and then that person had a trigger that came up and they didn't tell you about it because you never asked about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a trigger and now they're like, I got to walk away from this house. And they're not telling you why because you didn't ask. You never took the time to understand it. Mm -hmm. We have so much less of that because we take the time to find out what they need, want and desire. Not on a surface level. Like it's not just when I say that, I'm not finding out that they want five beds, three garage stalls, and three bathrooms. Now we're finding out that they want that fenced yard because they have kids and a dog. And then I'm asking another question just to show an example of this. Um, and, and I think the other ISAs kind of demonstrate this as well is asking a question like, okay, if your wife were on the call today, what would she say she would want in the house? And do you think people always agree on what they want in the house or do you think there's confliction there? (laughs) Um, And then I'll even say, well, what about your kids? Sometimes I'd say, all right, Ruffy, your dog, what the heck do they want (laughs) as a joke? But for someone, their dog is their child, right? And really what it's doing is it's slowing down, asking questions to see, to help them think differently. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you're going to provide some so much better service the you will actually move much quicker with people because you won't have the hang ups you won't have the subconscious stuff that's not being aired slowing you down so I think it, it's it's when you focus on that service side it makes the sale like secondary and becomes so much easier
0: yeah that uh that kind of triggered a an action item and a curiosity point for for everyone listening and for you too, Robbie. Uh, I would be curious to know in everyone's database and yours yours uh, is a good place to start since it's so well organized. Yeah. How many of your leads that were once responsive that have now ghosted you that you're following up with have provided you more or less a reason as to why they ghosted you? How many How many people are out there that are that are currently ghosting you, uh, that you could re-engage somehow by, you know, uh, bringing that up. Ah. And I don't, I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, but I'm thinking about it from a, from a, from a software company perspective. Yep. We have people who cancel our product and, you know, we always ask why, uh, it always makes us sad. But it's a similar it's a similar reason. Uh, well, it's because you don't have an integration with Boomtap, or you don't have script customization. You don't have a reason, and eventually, we'll probably have that reason. And a really good way for us to bring those clients back is simply tailoring a very personal email to them, saying, "Hey, you canceled because we didn't have script customization. We're releasing it this week. Do you want to sign back up?" They're really likely to do that. Could you do that the same with the leads that have ghosted you? You know, hey, I had, uh, you had mentioned that you're, you were thinking about making a move in the next year uh, because you were waiting on a settlement. Has that settlement closed? No. Uh, really tailoring those messages to re-engage your ghosted leads seems like a really interesting opportunity. It's funny
1: that you say that because that, my brain went to two places. We have two different types of ghosts. One would be the one you just said where they're waiting for something and mm-hmm. granted don't get me wrong out of probably a hundred people that say that usually one gets a settlement from my experience. Yeah. <laughs> but still, um, and, and that one is worth it. I'll come back to that in a little bit. Um, there's, there's maybe a story I'll share that, but the other one is we have a message that really plays into that and calls them out on them ghosting us. It's our aliens email oh, yeah. um, and texts and, and it basically says, hey, we've been trying to get a hold of you. <laughs> Did you get abducted by aliens? Long story short, that's what it says. And yeah. um, it says, that it gives like three options. And a lot of people will like respond to that and say, no, no, I'm sorry. I've just been super busy. Um, so like acknowledging the, the ghost piece. Um, because it, it shows that, hey, I'm not super, I'm not trying to sell you. I think yeah. it's, it's coming from a place of I'm just trying to reach out. Um, and frankly, I, I love I love your perspective on that. Um, yeah. Acknowledging, I think it's acknowledging that sync
0: can be the first step in it. You're right. Yeah. And I think that ties together all your prior points nicely that uh, thinking about your database in that organized way mm-hmm. um, comes from a place of inno- innovation and systemization. Uh, yeah. But then also thinking you know, how can I service this person comes from your service focus point number five. So tying those all in together, um, that's really what being an ISA is all about. That's the kind of creative side of, of being an ISA is, look, I've got this job to do. I've got this uh, database um, of leads that are look all, all sorts of different. It's Mm. my job to, it's my job to simply put it, uh, put it, on the calendar as an appointment for my agents. Yes, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's a pretty clear path from point A to point B, um, and so I hope that uh, I hope that a lot of these points helped cover how to go in a straight line from point A to point B, and you know, not a uh, diagonal uh, or whatever, uh, a curved line. So I think these were all great points. Yeah,
1: I, I love it. I, I think to, to kind of put an end on this, right? We we talked about the five habits are they're hungry, um, they're gritty, they're innovators, they're systemized, and they're service focused. And, and I like to basically say that we overthink this ISA role a lot. Those five things really play into this, right? The this I, I break up the ISA role into three core components and the first is this is you got to create conversations right um to be an isa you got to create conversations whether you're paying to use a structurally to help generate that for you you're making the calls you're using automated texts you're shooting text or emails number one is you got to create conversations um and where i see people go wrong with this by the way is they'll make dials to make dials the whole point of making dials is to create a conversation so Hands down, number one is create conversations. Number two is form a connection. And you're not going to do that if you're sales focused. You must be service focused. You got to be focused on them, their needs, wants, and desires. Um, and then number three, you've got to book appointments. <laughs> and You can't forget about that last piece because um, we want to build connections. We want to absolutely do that. But the reality is, is that as an ISA, you have a job to do and we're, we're focused on doing it. And honestly, some people are like, ah, oh, that kind of feels gross. It really shouldn't because if you don't do it, these people are going to go work with somebody and they're probably going to work with somebody that sells six homes a year, that writes their offer on carbon pop, uh, copy paper. And now that's your fault. Um, so one, create conversations, two, build connections, and number three is book appointments. And the top you know, I say that we interviewed. They're doing that. They're doing all three stages. They're hungry. They're gritty. They're innovators. They're systemized, and more importantly, they are service focused. And what that means is they're willing to, you know, if somebody's not wanting to do something, they don't care. They're not attached to that. So. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my my bow
0: on bow on all yeah. this. No, that's been great. Um, this has been a really exciting seven part series. This is the seventh episode in the series. Um, if you want to dive into each one of the six prior? They are on the structurally YouTube page. Uh, going to hopefully make it up to the uh, theisa radio dot com podcast. I'm working through that. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of content to diet uh, dig through there. So. Yes. Um, yeah, if I w- check those out, uh, we I think we covered a lot of of those points that, uh, in this episode. So um, I think uh, I think Robbie and I are starting to think through our next series, which sounds like it could be stories with an ISA. Yeah, Robbie.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, here's the thing for for you 20, 22 people that are on right now, uh, give us some feedback on where you think we could take this. Um, one thought I had was obviously up until now, this has been very 10,000 foot view, the habits and, and what ISAs do. Um, I want to zoom in. Um, I don't know for sure where we're going to zoom in though. And, and I want you guys to help getting there. And One thought, whether you want to reach out to me, shoot me a message, you know, throw it at us, uh, reach out to Nate, is having really successful ISAs come on and, and talk about you know, some of the conversations they've had with people. Um, the most challenging conversation they've had, um, the most impactful conversation they've had, things along those lines. Um, they probably will be a little bit shorter episodes, yeah. but I think they could be really valuable and, and really learn you know, some, some cool insight into how they're doing it. But that's just one thought um, that I came up with. Obviously I'm not, I'm not tied to that. There's yeah. less of
0: a, a playbook that you can kind of steal from uh, in certain scenarios. That's, you know, yeah. a lot of people learn a lot of different ways. This was high level. Uh, I know I personally love to learn from examples. If I was ISA, uh, what does, is, what does uh, Mr. Eric catch always say? Watch, <sighs> you, watch you go and do. Gotcha. Uh, we've kind of been talking about the watch me and the watch you, but uh, really getting into the go and do part would be a really interesting, um, uh, aspect that we want to bring in to give, you know, all the ISAs listening, all the, the team leaders listening, um, the ability to, uh, use real world examples from outside your market, maybe in your market, just from all over that you can learn from. Truth. Truth. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, Robbie. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, Everyone listening, uh, Hannah. Yeah, I'll sh- I'll share that four week onboarding with you. It's it's above in the uh, in the chat. Uh, the resources link, or I'll have Izzy reach out. But uh, again, this this episode uh, was our seventh and final of the top ISA uh, interviews with the top ISA series. This will be live on the Structurally YouTube channel shortly, um, as well as emailed out to everyone listening. Awesome, Ned. Can I can I make one quick plug, real quick? Yeah, yeah. what do you got? So um, in, in about a month of uh,
1: September 11th through 13th, um, we're doing our Hatch Summit and you brought it up which sparked my memory <laughs> um, here in Fargo. And um, would love, if you just go to hashcoaching.com, uh, we would love to have you guys uh, attend. Um, Nate will be there, Andrew, the other co-founder. Uh, we got a really cool group of, of people coming. I'll be there. Jim will be there. I think he posted in Lee's Peaks about that. All of our ISAs will be there. We want some firsthand exposure to all this because, I mean, you've heard it from Jim. You've heard it from myself. But if you want to see our team and come and learn from us, uh, our summit is like it's basically our version of family reunion that KW puts on. And uh, more importantly than anything,
0: we focus on having a good time. Um, and uh, we'd love to see you guys. I... uh I can speak for structurally. We were there last year and uh, I still come back to things that I learned there as I did on this episode. Um, And I'm sure the, I'm sure the content will spark another year of, of learnings for me. So um, I, uh, I would love to see everyone here, there from Structurally's behalf and on behalf of your business. I think it's a a phenomenal decision uh, that you can make. So, um, yeah, with that, Robbie, thanks for the time. Uh, we'll see everyone soon on our next series, whatever that may be. Whatever it is. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Peace. Bye. Y'all.